welcome to the Spirit Seeker Hour. Spirit Seeker Hour is your chance to delve into the world of your inner spirit. The Spirit Seeker Hour is brought to you by Spirit Seeker Magazine. Go to www.spiritseeker.com to find out more. And now, here's Cindy Meyer. Hello and welcome. And this is the weekly Spirit Seeker Hour where you can learn about your inner mind, body, and spirit. We have musicians, artists, authors, cutting-edge people doing the work that are on the front lines of making the world a better place. The magazine um, that brings the show to you each week is called Spirit Seeker. It's been published for almost 16 years uh, in the magazine format, and before that it was a newsletter for, uh, I think, two years. And when we reached 2,500 readers, we expanded into the full magazine, starting in St. Louis, expanding west to Kansas City, north to Chicago, now south to Arkansas as a print magazine, but we are, have been read online for over, I think it's right at 12 years now, um, and we're just delighted each week to bring you this. And the, the radio shows that are uh, here, are it's a blog, it's a blog radio show, so the minute the show is finished, you can uh, refer it to other people, your friends, your family, and we we have a lot of off-hours listeners. We get stats every week, so we just really want to thank all of you for being a part of listening to the show every week and supporting it. Okay, so this evening we're going to have a little bit of a different format. We are going to have our first guest uh, coming on in just a moment, and we will be on the air from 7 until 7.30 if you're listening live. Then there will be a pause, and uh, we will come back on the air with uh, my second guest at 8 o'clock. So please do not think that um, we're not going to have the second part of the show. We definitely are. Okay, so at this point, I would like to uh, briefly introduce my my first guest, and then I will bring him on to the air. I will be interviewing Steve Olsher this evening. He's has a number of different things in his cadre of skills, but what he is uh, very well known for is being a reinvention expert, helping you um, figure out what you're here for, what what is the main thing, and let's get down to it, so to speak. So what is the one thing you were born to do? And then he helps you nichetize it. This is a trademark term, and it's a perfect term for what he does. He is an author. He is um, going to be appearing in a film that was just put together by Jack Canfield and John Gray and Marcy Shimoff, the Keeper of the Keys. He's the author of The Internet Profits, the world's leading experts reveal how to profit online. He's uh, his book, Journey to You, has won all kinds of awards. He's been on uh, a media guest on ABC TV, Fox TV, CNBC, over 200 shows, and here he is on the Spirit Seeker Hour. So, Steve, welcome to the call. Thank you very much for having me. <laughs> oh, gosh. And I have experienced um, you in a different format. I've experienced you with in charge of the event, Internet Profits, and creating that synergy that brought so many people together. So I'm delighted to get to know you a little bit from a different angle this evening, and, and yet we can also cover the conference. But, you know, how is it that, you know, I mean, I looked at your earlier business experiences and everything, and then all of a sudden, you know, it just feels like you kind of went in a different direction. So was that as you discovered yourself, you know, while in relationship with others, you realized, I mean, how did this all happen? Let's just hear your story. It's interesting really when uh when you when you look at it from that standpoint in terms of what's on paper versus the reality of what it is that uh that I've done and I'm now doing right so it just it seems like there's really a huge 
delineation and, and sort of a black and white of one career versus another. Uh, and it's true. I, I absolutely can say that for the first 20 years of my professional career, uh, I created commodity-oriented businesses, businesses that served a general purpose insofar as creating income, but they served no greater good than benefiting me and those closest to me. And literally about five years ago, uh, I had a a wake-up call, an epiphany, a moment of truth, whatever you'd like to call it, uh, where I was with my stepfather, who was very much a father to me, uh, and he was very ill in his final days. And as I held his hand as he laid in, in bed, and he could no longer speak, uh, but I do believe we were able to connect through that point of physical touch. And while I was holding his hand, I had a vision of my funeral, not his funeral, but my funeral. And I could hear the words being spoken graveside, which were, here lies Steve Olsher. He dedicated his life to chasing the almighty dollar. And that's all that was said. And it hit me really hard because it really, it felt as though my stepfather was showing me my inevitable fate if I did not change course. And it it was one of those moments that you just kind of wake up. And that's the best way to describe it is I literally woke up in that moment and recognize that I am here on this planet to have generational impact and not just to affect those who share this lifetime with me, but also those of lifetimes to come. But clearly the way that I was pursuing that generational and generational impact was not congruent with who I inherently am. And so I began my own inner search for becoming clear on what it is that I'm compelled to do. And that led me towards putting pen to paper, no clue exactly what that was going to end up being, but that initial set of writings really uh, transformed itself over the almost two-year period into becoming Journey to You, a step-by-step guide to becoming who you were born to be. And it was during that time that it became quite clear that I have an intuitive gift for helping people figure out what their what is, as I call it. And so that's the question, is what is your what? What is that one thing that your soul is compelled to do? And combining that with my entrepreneurial background, I found that I have a unique opportunity to not just help people do something on a spiritually fulfilling basis, but also help them to create meaningful income and share those gifts with the world in a way that supports them, supports their family, and allows them to make both a fortune and a difference. And I do not believe that the two have to be mutually exclusive by any stretch. You know, I've studied with many um, different teachers from, you know, many walks of life, as I know, you know, I can tell you have as well, and all the different things that shape and mold us. And, you know, when I was preparing for the interview and, you know, looking over, you know, some of the different materials you've written and, you know, uh, you know, et cetera, I was really struck by um, 
you know, your, your, not your stance, but when you said, you know, college degrees may very well be one of the things that um, have shaped us in not such a positive way, shall we say, um, destiny-wise, you know, with so many people thinking they're going to get that degree and then everything's fixed. So, it, you know, and, one of, and, and I would like to talk about this because I think that right now more than ever we have more college-educated people unemployed. Um, there's actually a new book that's coming out on what do you do with your college-educated child that's now living in your house and doesn't seem to have a job on the horizon? Mm-hmm. Um, and one of my teachers from India once said that all the education really is nothing if you don't have the rest of it. It's like you still have to find your way. So let's talk on that just a little bit because I think these are interesting times we're finding ourselves in. For sure. And to refer then back to the article that was published on CNBC, um, the my position is that college is the single worst investment that a parent can make. I'm not against <clears throat> higher education in and of itself. I am against the idea of a parent bankrolling their child's education because when you have a and when you come right down to it, the cost benefit analysis doesn't work. You put out all the money, the kid really just moves from the sheltered environment of getting the bottle from his mama to getting the bottle from the bartender. And it's clearly a social experiment that has failed us. And when you look at the statistics and and a full eighty percent of those who graduate with a four year degree do not work within their field of study uh, within five years of graduation, I mean, we know something is wrong, and that's because we're putting children in the environment of having to choose what they're going to do for the rest of their lives, and frankly, they have no idea. And so what I encourage parents to do is to put their kids out into the real world because school does a decent job. I'm not even talking about college, but just primary education does a decent job of teaching our children how to read, write, and do some math but they do a pretty piss-poor job of teaching people how to live. And so you've got to get out of that restricted circle of that very small environment with which you're contained and go out and see the world, go out, understand how other people live, go out and give yourself an opportunity to make mistakes, to be mentored, to find something that is fulfilling But that only comes from leaving that sheltered environment and getting a job or interning or being an apprentice or traveling overseas or doing whatever you have to do. And then when you figure out what it is that you're compelled to do and really what you were put here and what your gifts are to share with others, then and only then can you pursue the education that you need to create the type of life that supports those initiatives, and realistically, you got to pay for it because ultimately you're going to see results that are substantially different if you pay for something, of course, than if it's given to you on a silver platter. So it's, it's, it's an interesting concept that seems to be picking up steam because, uh, you know, reality says that you just you can't expect a child to know what it is that they want to do unless they're like in the in the minority. And there are a, a certain number of people who know what it is that they are in fact compelled to do. They want to be a doctor. They want to be a, uh, a psychiatrist. Maybe they want to work on cars, whatever it is. But that's where it then begs the question 
of where do you find the proper education that you need in order to cultivate a career in that field. And a four-year degree, more often than not nowadays, is not the answer. I... um I, I agree with you know so much with what you're saying, and you know mentoring is one of the most powerful processes that anyone can do. I think that's why coaching has taken off the way it has. It's it's you know like you know even in Japan, you know when they used to have the lifetime employment and everything. I mean those days are gone, and you know even in Japan that you know had that in place for for a lot longer than a good part of the world, you know. But but I think that. Nowadays, so many people, as you said, get this degree, and then especially so many, um, I've experienced a lot of the different, you know, male clients I've worked with who started off in engineering because that was a safe bet, that was something, you know, that was a good career, and then they hate it, absolutely hate it. And, you know, so I think that the the capacity to reinvent ourselves as what you're, you know, coining yourself as the reinvention expert, I mean, I think it's just, I think the time is perfect for the work you're doing, and um, I think it's just very much needed. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I do appreciate that. And it's not hopefully born out of necessity that people find themselves in a situation where they have to reinvent their lives. My hope is that it's more of a transitionary process. And that's what I really encourage people to think about is becoming clear on what it is that you're compelled to do and cultivating a career around that requires patience and requires you to not kill the cow. I mean, if you've got a job that's bringing in meaningful income, why on earth would you start from scratch when we all have bills to pay and mouths to feed? So I never suggest to anyone that they just cut rope unless they're in a financial position to to do so, but most people are not. And so it's it's really an interesting point in time where the awareness is drastically increasing in terms of the fact that there are opportunities now that didn't exist even 10 years ago. And so that's the beauty of technology. That's the beauty of having a more level playing field where we all can compete. And I'm obviously talking specifically about the Internet and other ways to to create a following and reach the masses. Now, those opportunities didn't exist, like I said, just as little as, 10 years ago. Now, I launched on CompuServe's Electronic Mall in 1993. So, I mean, I've been watching this online thing for 20 years. It's amazing what's going on right now. You were way ahead of the game. I mean, 1994 on Good Morning America, they were talking about, can you imagine it's going to, you're going to have an email, an address, mail at, you know, instead, and then we were still with faxes, you know, at that Mm -hmm. time. I mean, you know, I can remember working with Blue Cross Blue Shield, talking about reinventing yourself. I was uh, working in the insurance industry, you know, as just, you know, an office worker in the early 70s. And I can remember the main huge computer room, you know, and then who would ever dream that, you know, the kids of today, you know, I've raised kids, stepchildren that are now in their 40s, and I'm down to my last personal, you know, child of the tribe who's 15 and he had his iPhone before my 27 and 24 year old you know he's mm. grown up with technology He's, but he sat on a computer from the time he was very small playing all of his games and you know it's a technology has changed our lives and you know yeah. you, you know this I mean you oh my gosh so 
you know, while we're on that, if you, um, I know we want to talk about your book, but I'd also I want to make sure that we mention your conference, and um, and I'm just curious, how did it come to be called Internet Profits? You know, let's let's just hear the story on this one. So, for those that are not familiar with the book, the name of the book is Internet Profits, spelled P-R-O-P-H-E-T-S, which as a subtitle of the world's leading experts reveal how to profit, which is spelled in the traditional sense, online. And you get these brainstorms. I mean, really, you just sit there and ideas kind of come to you. It's like the, I mean, you can you can imagine how many people invented the Snuggie long before the Snuggie ever came out. And so, you know, whether or not you heed those bouts of inspiration ultimately spells the difference between living uh, an exceptional existence and and living uh, a life that just kind of gets you by. So it was one of those moments where I was literally um, in the museum. I remember this with my wife and kids. uh, And I was just, the name came to me. And I ended up having to buy the domain. I always buy domains first if I'm going to develop a brand around it. But I ended up having to buy the domain. Uh, but it just, it worked because it's obviously a, a play on words. And the reality is that there are, in fact, profits, P-R-O-P-H-E-T-S, uh, that are doing exceptional things online and are really part of that 1%. And so that was the point of the book is to pursue those people who I did not know before I started down this path and ask them to be a part of this book. Now, it's not an anthology where everybody wrote their own chapter. It is a book that is based on interviews and working with and studying alongside 25 of the world's leading experts for the, over the course of a year, including Yannick Silver and Mike Vilsame and Mike Koenig and Steve Harrison, etc. cetera. Um, so it's really just one of those moments of the truth that I talked about earlier where you can either choose the fork that takes you down the path that, who lead you towards what it is you were meant to do, or you just kind of ignore it. You know, um, you know, Steve. You talk about you know the the what you know, and that you have developed these three steps to get to that what, and there and you know there you said they're simple steps. So would you guide us? You know, for someone who you know is he having that season of discontent, so to speak. They, you know, they're looking for a higher purpose. They they like their job, but it's not really what they what's making them want to get out of bed and go to it in the morning, so to speak. So yeah. so for a, for a person who is who's saying, Wow, the journey to you and reinventing, you know, you know, finding what this what is, how would they start? Well, it's somewhat of a simple process, but it's obviously complex at the same time. So I mean, number one, I encourage anyone uh, to grab a free copy of the book Journey to You at journeytoyou.com. That's T-O-Y-O-U, so journeytoyou.com. You can grab a free copy of that book. Um, That book is actually a few years old already, and my technology has changed even since that book was written. So I've got a a new book coming out from Wiley, uh, which will be released later this summer, which is called What is Your What? Discover the One Amazing Thing You Were Born to Do. And the process is comprised of three, albeit comprehensive, but fairly simple steps if you if you just break it down in the manner I'm going to right now. And your what is comprised of your unique gifts. So 
for people uh, who are more spiritually centered, their gifts might be teaching or healing uh, or for those that are more entertainer-like, maybe their gifts uh, include entertaining. Uh, artists obviously create, so maybe it's creating. Um, it could be athletics if you're an athlete. So it's really just a matter of understanding what your unique gifts are. And the second part of the equation requires you to understand the vehicle that you will leverage to share those gifts with the world. So in your case, the vehicle that you leverage then is media. And so that would be, in your case, radio. It would be print. I would venture to guess that your overriding gifts, the overarching theme, is probably in the, the realm of communication. Um, yes, it is. <laughs> but, yeah, so, I mean, that's, that's so step one. I mean, using you as an example, I mean, you're talking about communication as the overriding gift. The vehicle that you use and leverage to share that gift with the world uh, would be media. Again, in this case, you're looking at print and, and online and, uh, and, and radio, but media. Um, and then the third part of the equation requires you to be very clear on who you're most compelled to serve. Now, you have to understand that most people go through life without nailing one part of the equation. Very few people have two, and an infinitesimal amount have all three. I mean, it's it's impossible to to really hone in on on what these areas of your life are without being exposed to this particular equation because it never really occurs to most people that, in fact, those three elements reflect who you inherently are and what you were put here to do. That's, you know, that that, that is simple, but it is not exactly. It's soul-searching. I can remember the first time I read a time management book by Alan Lakin, How to Get Control of Your Time in Life, and one of the exercises is you had to look out 20 years, where you wanted to be in 20 years, where you wanted to be in 10 years, where you wanted to be in five, in one, and then you had to break it down, and how are you, how are you going to accomplish that? And I remember I was in my 20s at the time, and I thought, who in the world can know where they want to be in 20 years? You know, but then the the more I did the exercises and the more – you know, I've just always been fascinated with time management. How can you compress time and get more into it, you know, and, and you know, just really, you know, enjoy each moment. But, like, you know, knowing that time can be expanded quickly when, when you're just really focused. And, you know, I think that in these times right now, you know, there's opportunity. Like you talk about that in your book, that these this is this is not a time to get discouraged. It's actually a time that you can rise above it. So, why don't why don't you, if you would, address that? How you see these times as just this opportunity to really like change it? Sure. Well, that and that plays into the second book, right? So once you understand what your what is, you need to have the how. How do you share that gift with the world? How do you monetize what you're doing so that you can continue to share your message? in a meaningful way. And Internet Profits introduces literally hundreds of no and low-cost ways to share your message. And the way that I look at it is, realistically, you don't have to spend a dime right now to land on the, the map, if you will. And so people are just way too quick to write checks before they're in a position to cash them. And so what I encourage people to think about is to start small. 
and to really go deep as opposed to going wide. And so what that means is if you're a yoga practitioner, then go really deep in Bikram yoga or whatever it might be as opposed to trying to cater to all yoga practitioners or to try to cater, probably a better example here, try to cater to um, uh, people who are interested in exercise or interested in healthier living, that sort of thing. Because by going deep, you can create expert status in one particular niche. Now, down the line, you can always expand. I mean, you can look at Amazon, who started by selling books, and then, of course, they expanded outwards. But you've got to start somewhere. Even Deepak Chopra, when he started way back when, I mean, his core audience was folks who were spiritually aware. And reality is when he started you know, back in the 70s, I believe, there weren't that many people who were spiritually aware. It was a niche market. So, he was working for Kaiser Permanente. They paid his way. I mean, they, yeah. they, you know, I mean, and he was way ahead with working with HMOs and he- helping figure out other ways for health and wellness. You know, and, you know, of course, he wound up on the West Coast, in West Coast, East Coast, 10 years before, you know, it hits the middle of this country. And, you know, the first time I saw him speak, you know, about meditation, he never once called it meditation. He he cited the uh, Herbert Benson, you know, the Harvard, you know, relaxation response. I mean, he he cited all of it, but what he called meditation at that time, and there, I was in an audience of six hundred the first time, and a lot of them were just you know people wanting to understand what this guy, you know, they'd heard about him, but like, what is he really about? And what he said is, it's lengthening the quiet pauses between the thoughts. He, yep. you know, then the next time I see him was, you know, in a place with 800 to 1,000, and then, you know, since then I've just seen him so many times, and his latest work is, is he's just absolutely excited about. But the second time I saw him, he was out, so to speak. I mean, he was he was using spiritual terms. He was, um, he said, we're way past synchronicity. You know, synchronistic things that happen, we're into synchro destiny and like pay attention to the people you're lining up with and who, you know, are in your classes and your peer groups and your, you know, whatever, whatever it's like, you know, your internet, because there's a reason you're all being drawn together. And, you know, and then now, you know, he's, he's just, you know, working with all science and spirituality. So, but you're right. He found his, he found this niche, his whole family works with him and he's made such a difference in the world. Yeah. And... He's not apologetic about making a fortune, and nor oh, should he be. Oh, absolutely not. Absolutely not. You know, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. you have to you have to sustain your message. You have to put yourself in a position to have the type of lifestyle that you deserve and desire. And I'm never one of those people who will say that you should succumb to life as a starving artist simply because you're compelled to draw. I mean, if you right. can make a million bucks a pop by selling your paintings, if that's what the market will bear then you should absolutely get it. And if you're, you know, if money's not your bag, then give it away and support your favorite charity. You know, the the Tamil sect of the um people from India, the there have been many, many it's it's where most of the enlightened masters have come from more than any other area of India. And they're very unusual, you know, in that their whole tenets are you handle the root chakra. You handle the finances so that then you're not distracted by that. And then, you know, so so the more the more money you attain, so to speak, the more good you can do in the world. You know, it's it's like get that handled so that then you can do the real work that you're here to do, 
which, of mm-hmm. course, is making the world a better place. And, you know, but not everyone gets this, and especially a lot of the indoctrination, you know, don't eat that last piece of cake or, you know, that's not okay. Yeah. You know, it's it's like all – and things have changed so much in such a short time with technology, I do believe. Yep, absolutely. And so as we uh, as we look to wrap up here, I certainly encourage everyone to take a look at internetprofitslive.com, which is, again, P-R-O-P-H-E-T-S, live.com. And uh, we're bringing 17 of the world's leading experts to Chicago, April 18th through the 20th, uh, including Brendan Burchard and Joel Kahn and Vishen Lakani from Mind Valley and uh, Pat Flynn and Jason Van Norden. So it's going to be a, a really powerful three days where we teach during the day, we implement at night, and uh, and you will walk away literally uh, with hundreds of ideas around how to leverage the Internet, mobile, and marketing in general to share what you're doing with the masses. You know, Steve, I, I was covering two conferences last year, and I think you know that, so I was back. I mean, I, I had already, you know, signed up a, a sponsor and all this other for the for the spiritual Celebrate Your Life conference. And, but, and I, but I, so I only took three classes out of your conference. But what I can say honestly say is there is something so profound your speakers are fabulous off the charts and i looked at your speakers this year they're even you know i i hesitate to say better because you know we we know everyone's in the perfect divine alignment (laughs) but but you know it's not just that you're in the middle with of this uh, this you know huge downloading from these experts in these areas who just are coming from their heart and give you so many things. I mean, so many things were offered free from the different speakers, and then there are 300 people who are intensely, no matter how successful they are, they are there as students. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Wow. It's for fun, yeah. and you moved it to downtown Chicago, which everybody's delighted. I mean, you know, there might might be a few little like, what? I mean, I'm delighted. So this Good. is April 18th through 20th, and this is uh, Steve Olsher. You can find him so many different websites, but Internet Profits, spelled P-R-O-P-H-E-T-S, live.com. You can uh, find him at, is it, it's Steve Olsher, right? Steve Olsher.com? Yeah, Steve, O-L-S-H-E-R.com, yep. And, and then the website for the free book that they can download is? Journey to you.com. Yeah. So here we are. This is Steve Olsher. And Steve, I know you're really busy. I know I know you have a lot on your plate. So I'm very grateful that you joined us tonight. And I will see you in April before we know it. Yep. Sounds really good. And to all the listeners, I apologize. I made a scheduling error. I had this down for 30 minutes. I did not realize it was an hour, so please forgive Cindy. It's not her. It's me. It's me. It's me. It's me. So it's I am all, so it's sorry. Okay. It's okay. It's all perfect and divine. We know it. We know how this works. <laughs> okay. Okay. So thank right. you so much, so much. Okay. All Absolutely. right. Good night. Thank you so much for having me. Good night. Okay. All right. Okay, so listeners, um, this is Cindy Meyer, and I'm going to do a little fill-in time. My second uh, guest will be joining us a little bit early. So in the fill-in time, I am going to uh, just tell you just a little bit about Cindy Meyer and Spirit Seeker and, you know, some of the things that we're up to. Um, You know, it's funny, you know, interviewing Steve and, you know, listening to him and, you know, his three-step process. You know, many people know that I started off in the healing field, and I once had a guest on the radio show who um, 
who was very gifted intuitively, and she said, yes, you came in, and that was your initial uh, initial destiny, so to speak, was to do healing work. So I started off as a nurse. I started off, um, you know, getting a healthcare management degree. I managed psych- psychiatric practice, I, you know, with nine to ten doctors. I managed a uh, chiropractic center that saw 80 to 100 patients a day with multiple doctors. I managed... Uh, several not-for-profit agencies um, where I was the the president of the organizations with 23 committee chairs reporting to me in any given month with, you know, I, I just can't even begin to tell you all the things, you know, where, you know, we were a major fundraising arm for um, some of the, the hospitals in St. Louis. And then I chaired the chairman's group of the um, hospital auxiliary. So I worked with all the presidents of all the Auxiliaries, which are the main fundraising arms um, with volunteers of hospitals. And so, you know, a lot of people are like, Cindy Meyer, we don't know that about you because I don't talk about it a lot. You know, it was part of my initial destiny with healing, but I knew, like Steve was saying, that communication uh, was part of my destiny. And whenever people would look at my astrological chart, they would say, wow, look at this. Have You, you know, you're going to be writing books or writing me words to music. I used to just laugh because, you know, I was a nurse or, you know, after I went into management, I was managing, but, you know, I just never really thought about me writing. And so, you know, what this what this person who, you know, she was a guest on my show many, you know, probably about two years ago, and she said, you know, your primary uh, focus was healing, but you would never have been able to reach your full destiny if you had not started a spirit seeker in the holistic expos. You know, um, I hosted 27 holistic conferences over a matter of 15, 15 years. And by me hosting the conferences, other people got to learn about Reiki and meet the Reiki practitioners. Other people got to hear about how different products and services could help balance their mind, body, and spirit. You know, this radio show is a gift of love. And, you know, just just as Spirit Seeker has, you know, just allowed me to have this ability to help network and connect people to different things. So it has been a journey. And, um, and I'm just really grateful and very, very um, humbly reminded on a regular, consistent basis that there are so many people doing the work on the front lines and, and venues like Blog Talk, which is available over the radio, you know, and more and more of the speakers like, you know, Deepak Chopra and all the different ones that are on the front lines, they're understanding. I mean, you know, when you go to a seminar by Deepak Chopra, he is taking a picture of his uh, of the group that you know that he's getting ready to speak to and he is posting it on Twitter. He's now all over Facebook with his newest thing of, you know, answering questions, questions and answers online, knowing knowing that he wants to reach even more people with his wisdom. You know, just today I I saw a post from Deepak Chopra, a post from Denise Lynn, who's also, uh, you know, very, very cutting edge with with helping people. Then there was Sonia Choquette, and I forget who else. And all of them are getting the, the power of the Internet and how we can help even more uh, by reaching out. So the youngsters of today have grown up with this. They think it's just normal, you know, to have this technology at their fingertips. But those of us that are a little bit, you know, sager and along the road, shall we say, know how profound this this totally is. So, you know, in just a few minutes, my guest will come on, but I'm just going to um, explain how, 
not even explain. I'm just sharing, you know, just a little bit about, you know, my path. And so I was working on my MBA uh, when all of a sudden I started, like, you know, I was getting trained in breath work. I was getting trained in Reiki. I was, you know, taking Tai Chi, Qigong, yoga. Wasn't quite into Qigong back then, but um, but all these other things just started showing up, and each and every doorway that opened led me to the next part of my path. And you know, I became a Reiki master teacher back in the in the the late '90s, but I had studied healing from the time you know I was a nurse, knowing that there was way more to healing um, than what we had learned, you know, in those textbooks about you know the traditional allopathic approach to healing so and also throughout all of this i've been like the little spiritual girl you know if god made us who made god you know it used to annoy the nuns and the sunday school teachers but you know i was always this curious child and always devoted to prayer and you know the mission work you know where you know people were helping people really far away and i've always had this like global consciousness since i was just this little kid you know i grew up and, you know, some of you that are older listening to this, you know, when you didn't want to eat everything on your plate, we were, you know, we would hear, think of the poor people in China. And, you know, now we look at China and, you know, China is is one of the superpowers of our world at this time. And, you know, so you, th- you think, think of the poor people in China and look at how in not that long of a time things have totally changed and um, gone in a whole different direction. So here we are in, you know, 2013. The world did not end in December, but the world as we know it ended. And what I can say is that there are just so many people who are awake now, you know, wanting to learn how to connect with their guides, their angels, their archangels, wanting to figure out the what, like Steve Olsher was just talking about, and um, and what what is that we're here, you know, and you can kind of laugh you know, back in the 70s, there was a song, What's It All About Alfie, you know. So truly, these are magical times where, you know, if you if you just are not happy with your life, you can change it. You know, I really also like how Steve Ulsher, you know, was saying that you don't just throw the baby out with the bathwater. I interviewed Dan Millman many, I don't know, several years ago, and he had written a book on... Um, on, you know, how to basically live your life purpose and be successful. And one of the things that he said, which was very similar to what Steve Olsher said, is that a lot of times people will go to massage school or they'll go get some kind of a um, a skill skill set, so to speak. And they're like, okay, I'm going to just quit my job and I'm going to do my life purpose. And oftentimes it's a setup and a sabotage because you're not at the level of financial um, mastery, so to speak, with your skill to just throw it out the window. But the guides and angels nudge us anyway, saying, okay, okay, we understand. You know, we want, we know you want to do this, but let's just start off with small steps. And then one day, that day will come and you'll just know that it's time to like totally segue into this other thing. And what Dan Millman said, which I, I just really just, you know, just really made sense is he said that oftentimes, you know, it's, you know, we have these jobs that are affording us to have the time and the energy, so to speak, to search out other ways of doing things. Um, 
you know, so so it's it's like you don't just throw your your job out the window. So so Steve Olsher is really something in that that book is online, and um, I would just really encourage you to take the time to to read it and um, and just you know enjoy it. And if you can get to the Internet uh, Prophets Conference, then by all means. Okay, so he. As we heard, misunderstood the interview, and I have been filling time until my second guest is is here, and I found out that she is here, and I am delighted because um, spirit lined us all up that it's all going to work <laughs> with with this guest coming on uh, a little bit early. Okay, so Stephanie, um, I know that you're there, so I'm just going to give just a little bit of uh, background, and then um, on you will come. So, listeners. You know, some people are going to think we're starting at 8, so we're going to uh, cover a lot of different things with Stephanie, and then we'll, at 8 o'clock, we will welcome the new guests coming on the air. But Stephanie Barton is a very, very knowledgeable person. She started off in nursing, and she um, segued into a lot of different paths as what we've been talking about here, that sometimes we start in one healing profession, and then that uh, intention to do healing leads us down other paths. And she's a Reiki master teacher. She's trained in a lot of different healing disciplines. She's a medium. She's a psychic. She works with people uh, all over the world, helping them, helping them make contact with their loved ones on the other side, just basically being of help and healing to um, to people through the work that she does. So, Stephanie, are you there? I am here, and I am so glad to be. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, I am very glad to have you here. Well, so, I had to curtail some Easter egg dying activities, but here I am. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. I, you do have little ones. How, I, I, you, I, yeah, you have three children, yes? Yes, I do. And we were um, – actually, I'm, I was uh, – slightly relieved to receive the producer's call because I was just getting ready to be splutered with egg dye. And I thought, (laughs) this is divine intervention, if ever there were a divine intervention. (laughs) That is funny. That is funny. Yes. Well, you're early. I mean, you're like, game on. I'm normally the night before. (laughs) Like, let's dye the eggs. So good for you. (laughs) Well, most holidays in our house sort of bleed one into the other. We've got a pumpkin on our front door still, and we've got a couple of Christmas ornaments here and there throughout the house. And then if you looked hard enough, I'm sure you could find a smoke bomb or two. So it's sort of a party at my house all the time. That is so funny. Well, that's the that's the childlike wonder, you know. I mean, children just, they don't get the, you know. All all they know is let's have fun. And tonight was so mm-hmm. interesting, was it not? With our daylight savings time, you know. All of a sudden, I th- I looked at the clock and I went, "How can it be this late?" Because it's so yes. bright, bright. And I thought, "Oh, it's a good yes. thing I looked at the clock because I totally lost all all sense of time." I know. So, I'm grateful for the extra light. It sure does make everything so much brighter, literally and emotionally. I think this is such an exciting time of year to wake up to spirit and to wake up to our intuition. It's just it's neat how we're so synchronized with nature. Yeah. You know, James Michener wrote a book. Many, I mean, I, I, some of his books were daunting with how, you know, like Hawaii, how big they were. And I would look at them and think, it'll mm-hmm. take me a year to read it. But he wrote this one tiny, tiny book, the only book I think that he wrote that was like small. But of course, 
with his writing A Powerhouse, and it was called The Fires of Spring. And he talked mm-hmm. about how everything comes back to life in spring and how it makes mm-hmm. absolutely no sense to make, like, New Year's resolutions in the dead of winter and how when we're when nature's coming back to life and we come back to life, that is, like, a powerful time to actually, you know, set the intentions for our, for our life. And so I, I think, yeah, so go ahead. Why don't we talk about that with these seasons. Oh, I agree completely. And I think that's one of the missed opportunities that we do have is to tap into our intuition based upon nature's cycles and seasons. We have times of the year that are just naturally geared towards aligning ourselves with our powerful inner wisdom. In the spring with Easter and new life, this is the perfect time to launch new dreams and to listen to the voice within. It's a powerful, powerful time. Well, and you know, the spring cleaning, you know, I'm a feng shui consultant. So, you know, one of, you know, whenever you're teaching about, you know, where do you start? Where do you start with your life when you're, you really are wanting to make changes? And, you know, I always go back to the spring cleaning analogy because, you know, mm-hmm. years ago they opened all the windows, they got the lemon out, you know, they shook the, the mattresses, you know, after the long winter, they, they turned the mattresses and, you know, everything got clean. And really, mm-hmm. The whole idea behind that is you change the chi or the energy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It is. It's a wonderful time. And and I love this work of being a medium because in many ways it is giving life to to love. It's giving a voice to something that may seem dormant, just like the the annual flowers returning in spring. Tapping into our intuition is is bringing up that voice of our spirit. So I think it it is such a beautiful time, a sacred time for all of us this time of year. Well, I am so glad that we have this extra time. And so I would like to just... um, just ask you if you would, and I may ask you to repeat this from a different angle a little bit later, right around the 8 o'clock hour when I know some other people will be joining us. Um, mm-hmm. How, okay, you started off as a nurse in healing. Mm-hmm. And did you, how did this all start? Were you, like, as a child, were you the spiritual, you know, connected to the bigger the bigger cosmos? Or how, what, what were you like as a child? Because this is a big destiny you have going on here. Well, I think I didn't consider myself to be abnormal. Being in our own shoes, we think everybody thinks the way we do. So I assumed everyone had real imaginary friends, just like I did. It was totally normal to me. And I was raised in a a fairly strictly religious church. And so when I started actually speaking about my experiences, I was quickly informed that these are evil spirits, this is not good, there is something very wrong with you. And it felt very uncomfortable because what I was seeing and what I was perceiving did feel comforting. And it it was beautiful. I was seeing angels. There was nothing unsettling about those experiences until those seeds of doubt and that, that fear was cast on me. And then I began to panic and I began to worry and I just prayed harder than I ever had that all it would be taken away from me. And ask and it is given. It was it was totally gone for years and years and years. And it wasn't until I stepped out on my own in college and, and just felt such a deep call from within my soul that there was something that wanted me to return. 
that I, I made that transition back into the spirit world um, in my own physical life, and then things just opened up from there. You know, so often, you know, doing the, doing this uh, this type of work, I'm sure you've heard it too. Like, oh, when I and I, you know, the way you described it, you know, I ha- I thought everyone had imaginary friends, and oftentimes mm-hmm. the people who have the imaginary friends are actually talking to their angel, spirit guides, etc. They're in, absolutely. In the, I, I know, and most people just don't get it, and and a lot of parents become very afraid because mm-hmm. they think that it's like something's wrong with their child or. Or, you know, worse, like, oh, my gosh, this is like something that is like not a good thing that's happening here. But children, children, you know, when they first come in, the veil is so, this is my understanding anyway, that the veil is so thin that they're, they're totally connected to spirit when they come through. Absolutely. And they don't question what's, quote, unquote, real or what's not real. They know what they see and they trust what they see. And I think that is such a gift, and we need to cultivate that in our children. So I kind of toss the word imaginary friends out of our vocabulary, and I and I express it as being unseen by others. It doesn't mean that they're not there. It just means other people don't happen to see them at that moment. Right. But absolutely those friends are angels and guides. I have no doubts about that. I was a dreamer as a child and I and I you know I had no idea what it meant but I knew that I could mm-hmm. change the channel. So I would have a dream and if I didn't mm-hmm. like the dream, I would awaken and I'd say, "Okay, I don't, I'm changing the channel. I don't want this dream." Yes. And I'd yes. go back to sleep and if I had that same dream again, and I, I would say, okay, I'm changing the channel again. I, I want mm-hmm. something different. And I knew. Right. I don't even know how right. I knew this. But it's like this little thing, this game, you know. As a child, I knew that if it happened th- three times, it was like you may as well just accept it. It's going to happen. Now, did I uh-huh. understand that it was clairvoyancy? Nope. All I no. knew All I knew was that I had the ability to change channels. <laughs> you just know it works, and so you do it. <laughs> yeah, but, I you know. know. Oh my gosh! But you know, children are you know normally discouraged. But what are you going to do? So you were in your twenties. Mm-hmm. Let's just segue back. Mm-hmm. You were in your twenties. You're now away from the your first teachers, your family of origin. You are mm-hmm. now seeing the world in a in a. Uh, and did you go straight into nursing, or how did how did that work? Oh, it's so interesting what you were speaking of just before I came on about you know, spirit being very practical and every experience being of value. So I I saw and I knew that I wanted to help people. But given my culture and given the traditions and the religion, the best way that I knew to help people was through being a nurse. And so that's the route that I chose. And I have no regrets about that. I have no regrets about being raised a fundamental Baptist either because it has made me so sensitive and so aware of just how powerful our words can be, just how shaping our concept of God can be. So every single experience that any of us have had, and and I speak for myself, every experience I've had has given me some gift. And, And so my career as a nurse was wonderful. It was challenging and frustrating and aggravating, but it was wonderful, and it it led me to where I am right now. And so for that, I'm eternally grateful. But I I spent so many years as a nurse and worked very hard. I was a very good nurse, and I I knew my stuff. To talk about an analysis, and I mean, it it was just in in that thinking mode all the time. 
And once I started experiencing life and death and babies being born and people moving on, the rational mind cannot explain some of what happens in those times when the veil is open. And so I, I had to open myself up to wanting more and exploring more and allowing for more spirit, even in the midst of my medical profession. You know, most people, um, you know, by the time they're in a hospital, especially today, there's an acute mm-hmm. illness. It's, you know, or something, you know, I mean, that so many people are treated outpatient and sent home doing mm-hmm. their own IVs. I mean, it's just really changed so much. But I can remember the when I was in the very first week of clinicals, like I'd been in theory and studied, you know, I, I you know, I knew theory, I was fine. Then all of a sudden, oh, yeah. mid, little miss empath, not knowing that I was an empath, I'm in the clinical mm-hmm. setting and within two weeks, my nursing instructor, you know, pulls me aside and says, you know, we need to have a talk. And so I'm in this conference mm-hmm. room and I knew it was serious because I, you know, she wasn't having one-on-ones with anyone else. <laughs> and so right. I said, well, you know, well, what did I do? And she, or you, know, you automatically assume you've done something wrong. And um, and I, I don't even know if that's the state, but that's what's coming through in this moment. But I just remember her saying, I think you might want to consider a different um, profession. And I said, what? Mm-hmm. At the time I was a little girl, I knew I wanted to be a nurse. And, you know, and my mm-hmm. girlfriend's mother would say, why don't you want to be a doctor? And I said, no, 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 mm-hmm. that's not what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to be a nurse. I want to be with mm-hmm. the people. Yeah. Anyway, so so the nursing instructor says you're way too emotionally wrapped up with your patients. Uh, and I was mm-hmm. like, what are you talking about? What are you, you know, talking my, about? Yeah, yeah, I didn't understand it. And she's like, you might be better off an x-ray technician. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> and so it was this moment where the intellect and the other part of myself had to make a decision. And so, and I knew yes. I wanted to be a nurse. Um, yes. But, you know, but my first patient was a a 32-year-old mother with three small children, twins, and mm-hmm. one other child, mm-hmm. and she had advanced leukemia that came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm a student nurse, right? And she's like, what mm-hmm. are my blood counts? And I said, you know I can't give you those. And she said, oh, yes, you can. And I left on a Friday, and when I came back on a Monday, she was gone. Gone, and yes. I think that in so many ways, the nursing that we have both done prepared us you know, to go to the, you know, to have that compassionate heart, just as, you know, I was raised Catholic, and, you know, some people are like, oh, my goodness, I'm like, are you kidding? That's where I learned to do mm-hmm. prayer beads by the rosary. That's yes. where I learned spiritual disciplines. I mean, everything that happens is yes. is part of the oh, journey. Yes. It is, it is, it is. And to be able to, to savor that and to appreciate that just makes us that much more bright and, and keeps us aligned with our spirit. Because spirit only loves and spirit always celebrates and spirit always shines the light. So to be able to allow for that, even in the midst of a difficult upbringing, that is spirit. That is absolutely spirit and spirit's work. So it is good. Okay, so we are we are almost to the time when when people are <laughs> thinking this interview starts, but I know that there have been some people that have come on early. So I want to wait just a few more minutes to to actually get into you know your current present time work right now. What mm-hmm. I'd like to do is talk just a little bit more about how you got into Reiki. Was that you know did that open your doorway to your psychic channel opening even more? Or let's just hear your experience with Reiki and and I because I know you're still working as a Reiki teacher and mm-hmm. let's just let's just hear a little bit about that part of your life. 
I Reiki has been an interesting journey for me. I think I had to do Reiki to open my mind in a way that I would not have otherwise. Because when I first was exposed to the principles of Reiki and, and to the concept of Reiki, I was still a little bit a little bit cautious and a little bit hesitant about getting into anything that was too woo-woo. I mean, this is when I was still a nurse and I was still very pragmatic and very practical. Um, and although I was certainly very open to all religious and spiritual traditions, I, I like to kind of stick with the <laughs> stick with the safe and tried and true. So I, I knew I wanted to explore. So I, I reached that tipping point where my curiosity sort of got the best of me. Luckily, I wasn't a cat, or else I may have been killed. But <laughs> that's another story. Well, anyway, so quickly. <laughs> I I would have blown through all all nine of them because truly. So I signed up for the class, and I mean, I, I go into this thing totally green, and I walk in, and the lady who's the instructor is wearing these long robes. She had on this head wrap, and I am not kidding you, Cindy. I was like get me out of here. <laughs> and I was I was a little scared, but I stuck with it because I said, no, I'm brave, and I spent 150 bucks that I can't get back, so I better stay. <laughs> so, I understand everything you're saying, though. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. This, was, so, this is this MBA, like, all of a sudden doing breath work and making contact with, like, you know, a whole different realm. So, yes, I, yeah, I understand. Yeah, and you're like, Okay, one of these things doesn't belong, and it's really get me out. <laughs> so I stayed in the class, and she, you know, we went to the attunement, and she made us close our eyes, and I was just praying, I hope there's nothing going on back there. That I hope there's not a goat being sacrificed. I just hope this is okay. Right. But I just kept trusting it, and I just kept trusting it, and and knowing that if my intentions were pure. And, and if I was anchored in love, that come what may, I'd find my way through it. And and so sure enough, I I got through the attunement and then got through the second attunement too because I took the um, one and two together and then played around with the energy and I felt nothing. I mean nothing <laughs> the first few times I did it. So I thought, okay, I spooked myself and I can't feel anything. This is, this is a good choice. <laughs> so... It, but it, it, it again, it caused me to really have a great deal of compassion for people who are lacking self-confidence. It helped me be very genuine and, and authentic as a teacher for the students who don't initially just get bowled over by Reiki. Um, and, and it also encouraged me and invited me to be persistent and to keep practicing and to keep trusting. And that's the discipline that is required to do this work because sometimes you get the instant hit and it feels great and you're overwhelmed, but other times you got to keep working and you keep exploring and you keep digging and you keep trusting, and that's when it really pays off. So it helped me to develop some of that stamina and some of that trust that's so necessary on this path. Absolutely, absolutely, and you know it, it's it's strength and fortitude, and you know that's why so many people. I, I'm so glad you said that about Reiki because so many people take Reiki, they don't 
they don't have like that bold over like the crown chakra opening. I mean, others do. I mean, we both, mm-hmm. you know, know that like I can remember attuning this six foot six man this one time and just, you know, he just had this opening unlike anyone I'd ever seen. But as I'm tapping mm-hmm. the symbols into his, you know, the palms of his hands, I'm looking at him thinking, this guy has the largest psychic triangle of any hand I have ever attuned. And mm-hmm. oh my gosh, you know, and it was just, you know, but other people don't. And and so right. the main thing, so any of you who are listening who have been thinking about taking Reiki or you took it but didn't have mm-hmm. anything happen, you can get reattuned. I mean, that's the beautiful sure. part. Almost every class that I teach, I have someone coming in to get reattuned, you know, from, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I don't, I, you know, I don't, I'm not like the Ricky police where show me that Ricky one and two certificate, you know, it's like, oh, okay, yeah. who did you yeah. study with? You were in what city? Okay, that's cool. Because, you you know, mm-hmm. anyone who is drawn to this work knows the spiritual, you know, karma, so to speak, if you're, you know, misrepresenting yourself. So, mm-hmm. so you know, I just get these different people who study with different teachers and, you know, and what I say is exactly what you're saying. Stay with it and see what happens. And, you know, yeah. I follow this one gal who, you know, trains a lot of different psychics, and she she will not even train you to, to open the channel if you are not willing to also be attuned in Reiki because she knows the magic. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I it mm-hmm. feels a little black and white to me, but, yeah, I understand the, the rationale behind it because opening – what what Reiki does for some of you that are like, what are they talking about? It's it's this it's this energy system that if you work with it and you open yourself and or receive or give Reiki anytime you're you're giving a Reiki session, you're receiving <laughs> it's yes. part of the yes. divine energetic flow. Absolutely. Okay. Oh my gosh. So so I would like now to segue into, and, and listeners, if you're just joining us, this is Stephanie Barton. She is um, going to be coming to St. Louis on Sunday, March 17th, speaking at the Soul Esteem, Soul Esteem Center from 1.30 to 3.30, teaching a workshop. And she is very well known throughout the, the U.S., but she's uh, also known as Kansas City's popular psychic medium. Uh, and, and Stephanie has been you know, leading us up to, uh, she came on a little bit early tonight, but we're We've saved what we promoted to just now. So you're, if you're just joining us, you're in perfect divine time. Don't feel like you missed anything. You can <laughs> listen to this interview You know, later. Everything's you know archived, so it's there for your listening pleasure. So what we've been talking about is how Stephanie started off you know, in a in a somewhat um, strict religious background when she stepped out of that and was in nursing school in her early 20s and, you know, all of a sudden, you know, a little more freedom, so to speak. She followed her heart, but she grew up with imaginary friends, you know, thinking that that was normal as a child, which it is normal, <laughs> but, but <laughs> not everyone thinks so. And then, you know, where we've gone is how from nursing that segued into the work that she's doing now through different paths. And so... Let's talk about how you went from being a nurse and, and, you know, finding your way to Reiki and finding your way to the spirit worlds and and doing mediumship work. And, you know, so, Stephanie, how did this other part of your life start? Because I know that you just, didn't you just like six years ago is when you said, okay, I'm ready to do this full time. Well, actually it was ten years ago. I've, it's oh, been okay. a decade now, I know, which is just I I can remember very clearly when I did when I left my nursing job I met with an accountant and he looked me straight in the face and he said do you for a moment actually think you can make a living and be successful doing this and it was like my worst fears had been spoken aloud to me 
from this financial guy. And I, I stammered and I stuttered and I got hot and I wanted to cry. But I could hear my angels speaking very clearly and they were saying, yes, yes, yes. And so I eked out, yes. <laughs> and 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 I did and I have and it's been wonderful. So it took for me... A, a consistent and clear and conscious guidance from my angels. And, and it took time and it took practice. But when I was ready to make that transition, I was ready. And, and I stepped out and started doing sessions, started doing readings um, for people. And I recorded the readings on a cassette tape. And I just would say everything that I saw from loved ones in spirit to talking to spirit guides to to connecting with their beautiful guardian angels, and it worked. It worked. And so it's been a wonderful and joyous journey, and I'm so grateful to be able to bring this work to St. Louis and to to share with all the wonderful angels who are there in your area, Cindy. Well, the angels are very active right now. And, yes, and, and you know, you know, we know the 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 head. I wouldn't say the head of honcho, but you know, we know Sylvia Brown's talked about angels for years. We know that Doreen Virtue mm-hmm. that has been her work, and you know, Sonny Don Johnson, and I could go Sonia Choquette. I could go on and on and on and on. We've had a lot of um, published authors speaking on this. Lorna Byrne. I mean, we, you know, we. But but somehow I. And I would like you to to address this. I just feel like somehow the gateway to the angelic realm is open wider now than it's ever been. It's either that or more people are awake. I'm not sure which. But, you know, Doreen Virtue talks about, you know, like how she just wasn't going to talk about the angels at all. She just, that was, she mm-hmm. was a successful person, you know, such as yourself. And, and the angels were like, when are you going to talk about us on the radio show? When are you going to talk about us? And mm-hmm. then... She pulled into that parking spot, didn't listen. They're saying, don't park here, don't park here. She parks there. She gets mugged, robbed, goes on the air, and, of course, she talks about the angels. So, mm-hmm. But that feels like forever ago when I heard that story. I mean, I, I, mm-hmm. it was probably nine or ten years ago. But So you've been doing this work full-time for ten years. So, Stephanie, yes. tell the listeners, if you would please, what has changed? Because more people, there's shows on angels on TV. There's touched by any, I mean, it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. So what is your think, take on this? I think that there is such a deep and core longing within each one of us for the presence of divine in our midst. And that is what angelic presence is. It is the divine in our midst. And angels are accessible to all. There, You know, sometimes we have this human complex where we think we're not worthy to talk directly to God or, you know, Jesus is way too big and way too elevated and how can we, the lowly sinner, ever sit at the feet of the master? And angels are just there with us. And I think because we are so desiring of that connection and the angels are so desiring to serve, it's a match made in heaven and here on earth. It's human and it's divine all in one. But I think that there is a communion, a coming together, the desire to serve and the wanting to be served. And so it, it's it's an important time. These are important and critical times that we live in when love must be demonstrated and it must be expressed and we must experience love in, in our own hearts and in our own lives in every way. And that that's the gift of angels. That's what angels are about is that unconditional love, that sweetness and that goodness and that hope that we all desire from deep within our hearts. Well, and you know, 
I looked at your website. I'd been on it before, but I was on it again today, and I thought, wow. You know, when you and I talked earlier today, just just briefly, you know, touching base before mm-hmm. the call tonight, I, I remember saying, you know, there's there's a, there's some kind of connection between this Internet profits before you, before you come on the air. And I said, I know it will all play out. So here I am looking at your site, and I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, you you have a, a newsletter, you have t- a text text to get on your email list you mm-hmm. you are way ahead of the game with you know i mean a lot of people do just readings by the internet and and you know do automatic writing so to speak etc but you are recording mp3s you're emailing mm-hmm. them but in order to have you personally one-on-one there's a price difference and i thought you know what this is brilliant you have made it accessible for any person to be able to have the gifts that you um, are connecting to, so to speak, you know, your true gift, you know, helping these people, you know, in every way. Well, I think, and and that is a, that's one of my core values is I want there to be no excuses, no restrictions, nothing that stands between anybody and spirit. If you want it, I can give it to you and I'll give it to you free or you can pay. You know, it's, it's here and I want to serve and I want to share. And so I have very consciously and very intentionally created the newsletter so that Every single month, a free meditation is right there in your inbox, and you can commune with your angels through that means. I have the online classes that are on a love offering, so if you want to learn about your angels, you do it at your pace, at the price you set. I just, I want there to be no limits between you and your spirit, and and that's why I've created my business in the way in which I have. But it it is so important. Yeah, it's so important. Uh, to share this love and and to be so open with it and so giving with it because that's the nature of spirit. Spirit gives and gives and gives and gives. And so I I want to be like that because I want to be like the angels and aligned with that with that love that they share with us. So yeah, every month I have the meditation that I offer um and and I I just love I love to create I love to inspire spirituality is a lot like exercise or healthy eating and it, it's a discipline and so I want there to be no excuses for people not to meditate here here's a meditation meditate <laughs> or you know they say, well know. I'll learn I'll learn about my intuition later no learn about it now it's in your email oh, so it's funny. But this yeah, is that generous, the, the, the generosity, you know, you know that as you give, you know, it comes back multiplied. And, you know, so I want to give your website because there are so many wonderful things. It's angelsinsight.com. So it's angels and then insight.com. There's uh, information about uh, Stephanie's newsletter. There's so many different tips. There are articles. There are, you know, ask Stephanie the basic questions that most people are like, well, what exactly is it that you do? How, you know, how often should I do this? <laughs> which, is, mm-hmm. which is so interesting. I find that fascinating when someone says, well, how often should I call you? <laughs> right, like, right. It's like, well, you know, and you and you're, you're, you address these major questions. And I thought, that's really smart. She just, like, gets it right out on the table. So, so let's segue, though. Now we've been talking about the mm-hmm. angels. And mm-hmm. you're a medium as well as connecting to the angelic realm. So let's mm-hmm. let the listeners know what exactly does that, what is that? 
Well, the, and that's why I'm coming to St. Louis is to do the demonstration of, of the mediumship work that I do. And what that is, is is connecting with the human spirits who are there to serve us um, outside of the physical physical sense. So the loved ones who have departed and made their transition to the spirit world are those for whom I give voice in um, in situations like I will be on Sunday the 17th there at the Soul Esteem Center. And and I think that that's important work because we all have experienced loss and to be able to understand that death is not an ending and that there is consciousness that continues on, there is love that continues on, there is an active relationship that we still have with our human family members even despite their lack of physical presence that is so transformative and it's so healing and and I truly feel passionate about doing that work it's it's um it's a blessing in so many ways on you know dna wise you don't even know how many generations you're dealing with sometimes when mm-hmm. you know you're you're helping heal the woundedness that comes from loss you know yes. and and love yes. and it's really you yes. know it's my understanding that sometimes after someone has died the the reason it's so intensely emotional is because of all the love that you're feeling for this person absolutely and and the the, the difference you know the angels the angels are just they're pure love so there's there's a there's an element of angelic presence that that sometimes doesn't quite relate to having to get up and work and brush your teeth and deal with a grumpy boss and contend with traffic. You know, so the angels are so encouraging and inspirational from that place of pure love. But then every now and then we need we need that presence that relates to the human condition. And that's why I love complementing the angelic messages with the messages from the human spirits because they get what it's like to contend with getting up and doing the things we have to do when we have to be here in, in our human life. And they're a wonderful source of support when it comes to time constraints and financial decisions and career paths. You know, if you ask an angel, what's my divine mission, they're going to tell you to love. And it's true, but how do you get a major in love? <laughs> and and so the the human spirit can help us with the practical aspect of our spiritual experience here on planet Earth. And I think that's really, really informative and, and very inspiring all at the same time. It's a beautiful way to explain it. Very beautiful. And mm-hmm. um, so, listeners, we are, Stephanie is going to take one or two um, calls tonight. Um, you, you, you just have to press one on your phone, and then my producer will bring, um, you know, we'll do two if we can, you know, where you can make, uh, Stephanie, why don't you explain what they can ask? Well, I'm I'm pretty open. If you have just a general a general life path question, I'm open to that. If you want to have a message from one of the archangels, I love doing those messages and giving those messages. If there's a particular human spirit you'd like to get a shout out from, I can do that. You'll just have to tell me who it is you want to hear from. Um, if you want to know your animal guide, I'm I'm very open because I I love them all and and am the willing and ready communicator and voice for any and all spirits who want to speak from love. So um, I trust. 
Okay, so just push one, and we'll bring you on in just a moment. But I do want to talk about this Sunday. Um, if mm-hmm. you could let us know, because, you know, I've experienced, you know, where James Von Prague just, you know, okay, is there a so-and-so, you know, a Mary? Is there a Mary who mm-hmm. has, you know, you know how he does. <laughs> He's funny. <laughs> so he'll have, yeah. like, you know, you know, several thousand people, and there he is. Okay, I think I think it's over in that part of the room. And, you know, then you see yeah. all these hands go up, and, and he keeps going until he figures out which one he has the message for. Sure, but then I've also sure. seen it, you know, with billets in the middle of a spiritualist church where, you know, they have the question from the person on the paper, and they're, you know, they don't know who they're reading, but they were, but they know. You know, they, mm-hmm. they've made the contact. Mm-hmm. And then I've also seen it where you go up on stage, you know. Mm-hmm. So what is what what does Sunday look like to the to the listeners who are like do i want to come or not and of course you do mm-hmm. but what does it look like so that they kind of have an idea of what sunday is going to be like well i you know i don't know <laughs> um i i have done every kind of format that you've talked about and okay. i i I really have to prepare myself for any and all way of connecting when I get there. It really, truly depends on the the group that comes together. And and once that intention is set and once that energy is in motion, then my angels and my guides will will communicate. You're going to sit in one spot and you're going to call people up and you're going to communicate you're going to bring the spirits through. And sometimes it's that I pick a person in the audience and then I bring their spirits through. It it, it really is an opportunity to see the, the wonders of spirit in action in the moment. And every single presentation is different. But typically, you know, the spirits will start hanging around me and they already have been this week. I, you know, I knew that when spirits. you called today. I knew that when you called, I thought, uh-oh, she's getting what's about to happen. Oh, oh, <laughs> there. They start, and they always, they start when I'm in the shower. About a week before the presentation, they'll all start popping in while I'm in the shower. Hi. <laughs> right. So, so yeah, they'll present themselves to me, and, and they'll say, you know, I, I really want you to talk. So, Usually that's what happens. I'll stand in front of the audience and say, there's a kid named Jeremy, and he wants to connect with his family who's here. And then, and then the family raises their hands, and I, you know, it's like the magnet, the magnets coming together. And I just, and I'm the bridge in those in those moments. And that's really how I imagine it will work this Sunday. Is I'll let the spirits guide me and lead me, and I will just connect heaven and earth in those moments that I have with the audience on Sunday afternoon. So I love, I love doing the work and it's so, you know, the, usually in the, the presentation is two hours long and in that time, typically I can give anywhere from 15 to 20 messages. Depends on if there's any loud, long-winded Greek spirits who want to come through. (laughs) They don't ever like to quit talking. Well, uh, Socrates, so, I mean, they're philosophers and orators. <laughs> I know, I know. And then, they, you know, they want to pull me aside and share with me, you know. All, and then I have these spirits that tell me about all the celebrities they've seen. I had a guy not too long ago, he was telling me he got to meet Elvis. And, you know, so they, they always want to tell me their stories. So depending on how chatty the spirits are, as I said, I can usually cover 15 to 20 people who are, who are there in the audience. Sure. But... 
the audience is called together intuitively and spiritually. They gather together for a very specific reason because one message benefits all. And when one heart is healed, we all heal. If one person feels hope, we all have that sense of hope. So the messages may be delivered to one person, but the love is a shared experience. And that's why I do it. It's because it does change everyone who's present. Okay, so um, if you if you have a question and you're this brave soul, it's like okay, I um, and you know Stephanie's already shared that you know she was a little bit nervous when she walked into her Reiki class. So um, all you have to do is press one on your phone, and my producer will bring you onto the air. So yes. you know Stephanie, it's it's just fascinating um, to me that. You know, I was I I've been teaching a class, and you know, I I had mentioned that I hadn't made contact with my mother in some time. She just mm-hmm. had been very quiet. And then on Sunday morning, I was sitting in my bedroom, and just it was just very quiet that morning. And then all of a sudden, there was my mom. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I wonder if it was the fact that I said, "Boy, I haven't heard from her." Or Mm -hmm. if it was just divine aligned that there she was. And then the next thing you know, I just had tears running down my face, just feeling the Mm -hmm. love from her. Mm -hmm. It is very transformative to be able to access that. And and that's one thing, too, that I, I think is important for people to understand. Our angels and our loved ones, they're always, always present. We are all continuously and constantly connected to one another. The only thing that shifts is our awareness of the connection. And so I think in that moment on Sunday, your awareness had aligned itself and you were ready and you were open. She's always there, always. And you were just ready to sense and perceive that in that moment because it was quiet and you were willing. And so in those times, spirit is always able. So people say, well, do they, do my loved ones hear me, or how will I know when they're around? They're always around. It, it's just learning to be open to that communion and learning to care for our own hearts and, and, and love our spirits so that we can receive those messages and be attuned and sensitized to their presence. Um, and that's one thing when people are in grief, when if you've lost someone and you can't sleep and you're not eating and you're really disconnected from your own well-being, it's nearly impossible to get the messages on your own, not because your loved ones aren't trying to reach out, but because there's so little of you to to make that connection. So if you're struggling, take care of you first. They'll be there. They are there. And so to honor your spirit and to, to care for yourself is the best way to communicate and to connect with the other side. As ironic as it seems, you know, we want to chase the spirit world and, and go go over there and learn about it and master it. Meanwhile, we don't even bother to take care of our own stuff. So you've got to attend to you've got to attend to your own spirit and honor your soul and nurture your soul first. And then there's the you that can connect with the spirit world. And that requires being quiet, doesn't it? It does. And that is, isn't that a discipline right there? Oh, yeah. And, and being, being patient, I think, being patient enough to get through the fears 
being patient enough to see past the doubt, being patient enough to let go of the insecurities and the struggles and the the, the thinking that we're not worthy or because we've done something in the past, it disallows the connection in the present. It, it does take a, a fearless and a steadfast heart to allow for that connection, but it is worth every ounce of effort that we put into it because spirit is so much greater than any fear that we may think we have. Oh, so we, we we have a little more time. I would like to just um, since since we're our, everyone's listening, Stephanie, they're, they're 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 you know hanging on your every word. So, is there a message I would like from Archangel Michael tonight? Do you have a message for all of us on this call for Archangel from Archangel Michael? Oh, I absolutely do. That this is the moment to live. Archangel Michael says this is the moment when each and every soul speaks up, speaks in integrity, and speaks the truth of why we are all here. And why we are all here is to connect with one another, to support one another, and to honor each other as individuals and as a community of light and as the bearers of love in all things. Archangel Michael says, the time of struggle is over. The time of suffering is over. It is time to be active. It is time to be clear. It is time to be on fire for God and to bring that love into our world and into our own hearts in each and every moment. That is the work that we are all here to do right now. So Michael says, write, speak, dance, move, shout, love, cry, do, act now. Wow. So it's all action-oriented. It is. It is time. It is time that there is the quiet you take the quiet moment to listen, but then you act. And, and and that's where Michael says that sometimes the spiritual student becomes paralyzed is that there's the listening and the listening and the taking in and the study and the pursuit and the, the seeking and the searching and then more seeking and more searching and more pursuit and there's never the do. There's never the act. There's never the leap of faith. And Michael is there to guide us to take that leap right now. It is no longer enough merely to sit. It is now time to act. And there is courage and there is strength and there is power unending because there is love in each and every one of us right now. And Michael will activate that. He will inspire that. He will encourage that for each and every person as we move forward right now. And listeners, if you don't know who Archangel Michael is, <laughs> he's the one that always has the big sword to cut through whatever it is. He, it, I call Archangel Michael the Ganesha of the Hindu faith. He removes the obstacles, or if you're on the wrong path, he'll do the same thing. He'll all of a sudden things will, you know, he'll show you that there's a different way. But you know, and, and Stephanie, you know, please add on because I that's very over, like very basic. But what else can you tell us about Archangel Michael? Oh, I think Archangel Michael helps us realize that no matter what path we're on, the path can be made instantly right when we choose love. No matter how dark the night, the light shines when we choose love. Michael will help us to focus. He will help us to pierce through the darkness. He helps us to overcome doubt. He helps us to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we are here as spirit and that spirit is all-powerful and that spirit is only love and that anything other than love is simply not worth our time, 
It is not real and it does not deserve our attention. Only love deserves our attention. Only good is what we are here to experience. And until we are aligned with that, he will encourage and inspire us to act because we are here for love, to receive it, to give it, to experience it deeply and profoundly and powerfully each and every day, says Archangel Michael. (laughs) (laughs) I am so glad I asked her a message from Michael tonight (laughs) for the group. I'm sweating. I'm Cindy. Oh, I, I, I get it. So, listeners, this is the way this works. We were all this blessed. This is how it works. <laughs> we were blessed by Stephanie's, like, connecting with the angelic and archangelic realm and all the other beings that were here, you know, by, by virtue of us all coming together. And then this is what is true. Oh. If you were listening to this after the show, which is where a lot of our listeners are these days. I mean, it's just, that's the magic of blog. If you're listening to it, you that message is for you as well, because it's all energetic, and it's and, and energy travels through time, space, and, you know, and the, the continuum of time through all, all the different <laughs> angles of time that we know or understand and yes. don't understand. So, yes. so you're part of this group, even if you're listening to it later, but this particular group came together. Oh, my gosh, Stephanie, this has oh. been delightful. <laughs> I'm so well, glad you were I- able to come on early, but go ahead, go ahead. Oh, no, Archangel Michael just said one more thing, one more thing. If if you want, Michael says, if you want a little bit, want a little bit more. If you've tried a little bit, try a little bit more. If you've thought a little bit, then trust a whole lot more. This is the moment to trust and to want more and to accept more and to believe more. This is the time for more because more is yours, because all is yours. All things are yours because you have spirit, and spirit is more than enough. Yeah. Wow. And so so there's really no more excuses, you know, and, and step, what, what, you, what I didn't mention about Stephanie is that you were a body mastery person too. I mean, you did some kind of something with the physical body too, right, with mastery? Oh, well, I went to, yes, I'm a massage therapist. Well, I had got my license as a massage therapist. I forgot about that. I don't know where I read it. It's one of the things I was, you know, doing all the different searches to prepare, and I thought, what did uh-huh. she do with that? It didn't exactly say you were a massage therapist. I thought, oh, my gosh, because I can tell, even after having three children, you're in great shape. And I thought, I wonder if she oh, like, yeah. like a, a trainer or what that was. But I thought, I don't see that anywhere. So, okay, so, but, but you know, you you know, like, about the discipline. And so I really want to just reiterate what Stephanie said. It is like, you know, the disciples, discipline. You know, look at what the Mm -hmm. word means. It means you are a Mm -hmm. student and devoted in what Archangel Michael just said. There's no excuse. And we're in the new moon in Pisces right now. And new moon in Pisces is really all of I mean, it's perfect that we're doing this interview within the window of New Moon and Pisces, which is all about connecting mm-hmm. to your higher divine self, which is yes. all about putting both feet on the ground and get walking, get going. Yes. Yes, yes. And you take one step forward, and then you take another step, and then you take another step. And that's the thing I I, I see so many spiritual students struggling with, is they think, well, if I do this one meditation, then I'm psychic. Or if I do this one technique, then I'm enlightened. Maybe, but maybe it's going to take a few more times, and maybe it's going to take a few more times after that. You have to be willing to do the work. But again, if you'll do a little bit of the work, spirit will do more. And if you'll give a little bit of trust, spirit will give more. Anything you do, spirit will match and multiply into extents that you cannot even conceive. But you just have to do it. It's time. 
Right. It is time. Yes. Okay, so listeners, this is Cindy Meyer, and this has been my wonderful guest, Stephanie Barton. She will be in St. Louis this Sunday, March 17th, doing a workshop from 1.30 to 3.30 at the Soul Esteem Center. All the information is at soul-esteem.com, or you can go to Stephanie's website. The information is there as well, angelsinsight.com. I just yes. cannot thank you enough. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for being a, uh, you know, a guest. And I've just heard about you for years, so it's just been a delight to get to experience you and get to know you a little bit better. So thank well, you. Well, Cindy, for- <laughs> I am so grateful. Thank you, truly. Thank you. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so listeners, there it is. And um, there's several ways that you can, you know, help us with the show. Number one is to favorite it on um, Blog Talk Radio. There are thousands, and I do really, that's what I've been told. Like, I don't think it's hundreds. I think there's, like, thousands now of shows on Blog Talk. And when you favorite it, it lets the Blog Talk seers at the top see that, Oh, people are really listening to the show and they're liking it. The other thing is is that if you want to be on our email list, all you have to do is send an email to info at spiritseeker.com and we will add you to our Secret Sanct email list. We let you know about the re- weekly radio show, who the guests are. We let you know when the new issue of Spirit Seeker is online and the different articles offered that month. Um, the other thing is, is we are now uh, accepting donations. Soon there will be a donation button on the radio show site. Um, but until then, if you want to make a donation, you know you can do so through PayPal and just send me an email, and I'll give you instructions on that. So it just helps us reach more people. It's it's just we're all in this together, and you know I'm just so grateful. I'm just so grateful. That's all I can say. So there we are. The angels among us uh, is the topic of Stephanie's talk this Sunday, and Stephanie. Just thank you, thank you, thank you. That's you know from my heart to yours. Thank you. Oh, mine okay. to you too, Cindy. I'm grateful. Okay. All right. Good night, listeners, and I'll, we'll be back next week uh, with Terry Daniel, who will be speaking on the Afterlife Conference coming to St. Louis in June. So we'll we'll continue with this theme of making contact with the loved ones on the other side, and you know. So here we go. Okay. Well, thank you so much, and good night, everyone.